I'm so glad you decided to join me in my home today. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, today, what I want to do is, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about what to do when a dream that you've been holding on to doesn't come true. In other words, when you thought was going to happen in your life doesn't happen. The reason why I want to speak about this topic right now is because in America, during this crisis, there are dreams that people have been looking forward to, some of them for a long time, that are being crushed because of this COVID virus. There are high school and college seniors that have waited four long years to walk a graduation line. And that dream, it's not gonna happen. There are brides who have been planning their weddings for a year or more, and they're not gonna be able to have the kind of wedding that they envisioned having. And many of them are not gonna to get to celebrate their special day with friends and family present. There are individuals that have worked hard all their life to build businesses only to see them go under during this time. There are high school athletes that have been practicing and working hard for years, hoping to earn a college scholarship, only to get to their senior year and have their sports season canceled. Friends, we are in a season of shattered dreams, and that's what I want to talk about today. Originally, when I was going to teach this message in this series called Restored, I was going to do it in a completely different way from a completely different perspective. But then as I began to pray and I began to think about this current reality, I realized that there are dreams that are being lost right now that can never be restored. Why? Because they're time sensitive. The difficult truth is that not all of our dreams come true in life. In fact, let me ask you a question. Has your life turned out the way you planned it when you were young? Probably not, right? I know mine hasn't. There are things that have become a part of my story that I would have never thought would be in my story. In fact, you heard about one of those things last week when Crystal talked. That's because rarely does life go the way we planned it. Now, don't get me wrong, making plans in life is great. We should all have a plan. I'm a huge planner. You know what, here's a little secret. I even plan my days off. It drives Crystal nuts, right? But I like to plan so that I get the maximum out of my day. Plans are great, they really are. But reality always has a way of trumping our plans. What's happening today in our society is made even more difficult by this fact. Our expectations in life have largely been shaped, or maybe I should say it this way, they've largely been distorted by Disney and Hallmark. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Disney and Hallmark movies always end with a happily ever after, right? That's why people watch them. That's why those channels are so popular. But you and I know that life doesn't always end in a happily ever after. Why? Because many of life's circumstances and events are completely out of our control. One day a husband or a wife walks into a room and announces that they're filing for divorce. They're ending a long-term marriage, even though the other spouse wants to work it out. But it's over. 
You can't control that. How about a company that you worked for who has no choice but to lay off good, loyal, faithful employees because of poor finances? Or the person that's in the prime of their life and all of a sudden they receive devastating news from their doctor that alters the course of the rest of their life. There there is a popular Disney song. It was sung by Jiminy Cricket. And that song's lyrics go like this. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. Guess what? That's not true. Sometimes our dreams don't come true. It doesn't matter what our heart's desired is. It doesn't matter how badly we want that thing. Why? Because we live in a fallen world, a world that has been contaminated by the effects of sin. Sometimes in our life, things don't turn out because of things that other people do. Sometimes in our life, we don't get our dream because of the things that we do. And sometimes our dreams don't come true because of unexpected circumstances that are thrust upon us, that are out of our control, like a COVID-19 virus. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about what do you do when you realize your dream isn't going to come true? Because here's the thing, when that happens, because we're human, it's natural for us to wrestle with feelings of anger, betrayal, and disappointment. It's natural for our minds and our hearts to go to the place where we say things like this, God, how could you do this to me? God, I played by all of your rules. I was a good Christian. I did everything right. God, I faithfully served you. God, I raised my kids right. I raised them in church. I was faithful to my mate. I was generous. I never missed church. God, I sowed good seed. You owe me right? All of us think like that at some point. So what I want to do is I want to look at three stories from the scriptures that show us what to do when your dream doesn't come true, when your dream can't come true. And I want to approach this question from three perspectives. The first one is, what do you do when your dream doesn't come true because of something that you did. You were the cause of your dream not coming true. Second, what do you do when someone else is the cause of your dream not coming true? And thirdly, what do you do when your dream doesn't come true because of outside circumstances? So let's jump into it. What do you do when your dream doesn't come true and you're the cause of it? I want you to turn, if you have your Bible right now, to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 11. 2 Samuel, chapter 11. And I want to read the first 12 verses. Here it is. It says, in the spring of the year, when kings would normally go to war, David sent Joab, who was his commander, and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army, and they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, during all of this, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Well, late one afternoon after his midday rest, it says that David got out of his bed and he was walking on the rooftop. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. 
And so he sent someone to find out who she was. And they told him, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, who was his commander, and he gave it to Uriah to deliver. And the letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines of the battle where things are fiercest. Then slowly pull back so that he will be killed. And so Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight that day, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Well, when Uriah's wife Bathsheba heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And when the period of mourning was over, David sent for Bathsheba. He brought her to the palace and she became one of his wives. And then she gave birth to their son. But the Lord was displeased with David and what he had done. So in this text, the setting is spring. It's the time when kings sent their troops off to war and usually the kings went with their men. But on this occasion, the scripture points out that David didn't go with his men. I don't know why the scripture doesn't tell us. Maybe it's because at this point in his life, David is now in his 50s. And uh, to be in your 50s during those days was actually old for that day. People didn't live very long. So one evening, while his men are at war, the scripture tells us that David sees Bathsheba bathing from the rooftop. He's smitten with her. And so he has her brought to him and then he proceeds to have an affair with her. Not long after that, Bathsheba informs David that she's pregnant. And so to cover his tracks, David kills her husband Uriah and he marries Bathsheba. But soon after that event, the prophet Nathan comes to the palace and he visits David. And when he visits David, he exposes David's sin. So how does David respond to Nathan? He responds like this. The first words out of his mouth are, I have sinned against God. And then David repents before Nathan. Now, for David to say, I have sinned, that's a powerful statement. I don't want you to miss this because it shows us something about David. It shows us that although David was the king, he was the most powerful man in all the land. David never disregarded or abandoned God's law. When he broke God's law, David always allowed God's law to break him. David always repented. But unfortunately, you and I know that every sin comes prepackaged with consequences. And so Nathan tells David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 11 through 14, David, because of what you've done, I will cause your household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did what you did secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. The Lord has forgiven you, David, and you won't die for the sin. But listen to this. Here's the consequence. 
But because you have shown contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this evil thing, your child will die. And so because of David's action, something that David himself did, he experiences the death of a dream. The dream that David had for this child, for his family, did not happen. David prayed. David fasted, the scripture says. But his child still died. Literally, before his eyes, David witnesses the death of a dream. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because I want to show you how David responded to the death of a dream. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20 says this. It says, And after the child died, David got up from the ground, he washed himself, he put on lotion, and he changed his clothes. He then went to the tabernacle and he worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and he ate. There are three things that David did that that text tells us about in response to his shattered dream. The first thing David did was he repented. When we mess up, when a dream doesn't happen because of what we did, because sometimes we mess up our own dreams, right? When that happens, the first thing that we need to do is repent. Now, I'm gonna tell you, God is a gracious God. And sometimes, sometimes he allows our dream to still happen. But at other times, it doesn't. It's a consequence of our behavior. Either way, we did wrong and we need to make it right. So David repented. The second thing David did that I want you to notice is when his dream was shattered, it says that David went to the tabernacle and he worshiped God. That is so powerful. David's son, David's child just died. And it says, David got up and he worshiped God. Here's the question I have for you. Will you still worship God when you don't get the thing that you wanted most in life? When you don't get the guy, when you don't get the girl, when you don't get the child, when you don't get the job, when you don't get the healing that you wanted, will you still worship? See, the amazing thing about David was that he refused to allow his shattered dream to stop him from worshiping. And yet when I look around me, I see that happen to people all the time. I see people stop worshiping, stop serving God all the time. Why? Because their dream didn't come true, so they're mad at God. The third thing it tells us David did was David moved on. It says that he bathed himself, he changed his clothes, he ate a meal. David moved forward. He kept living. He didn't get stuck in that spot. It would have been easy for him to. It would have been easy for him to wallow in self-pity, but he didn't. He moved forward. This is the point at which many people get stuck when they experience a broken dream. They can't get past it. And what I want to say to you today is this. If you've experienced a shattered or a broken dream of some kind during this season. Do what you can. Pray fast. Then get up. Wash yourself off. Put on new clothes. Worship God. And move forward. Move forward. The second scenario is, 
How do you respond when someone else is the cause of your shattered dream? So now I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It's the great faith chapter, right? Uh, And we learn about all of these marvelous characters that have lived down through the centuries um, that expressed great faith in God. So Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 35. The first 34 verses are wonderful. It talks about all these amazing people and their great faith exploits. But then the tenor shifts in verse 35. It says, women received their loved ones back again from death. And then here's the word that we hate, but. But other faithful believers were tortured, but they refused to turn from God in order to be set free. Instead, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. It says some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some of them died by stoning. Some of them were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute and oppressed and mistreated. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 38, they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Now here comes the line. Yet none of them received all that God had promised them. But God had something better in mind for them. That's a powerful text. What does that text tell us? It tells us that there are good, faithful, believing people who have experienced the pain of not having their dreams come true because of the actions of other people. In this case, these martyrs died at the hands of the Roman Empire, other people. Those that died, they were every bit, hear me, they were every bit as faithful and faith-filled as the people who were miraculously delivered and got to see all their dreams come true. What happened to them? Their deaths were not because of a lack of faith or a lack of belief on their part. Their deaths occurred because, again, we live in a sin-filled world where people hurt other people. And so because of other people, their lives and therefore their dreams were cut short. They didn't get to experience them. They never got to see their children grow up and graduate. They didn't get to walk that daughter down the aisle. They didn't get to hold their grandchildren. But yet Hebrews 11 tells us they all had faith. They were all faithful. They all believed. But their dreams were shattered because of the behavior of other people. So some of you right now that are watching, you've had a dream shattered in your life because of someone else's action. Guarantee it. All of us have. An action that you couldn't control. You were being faithful to God, but... A spouse cheated on you or divorced you. A friend betrayed you. A child decided, I no longer want you in my life, which basically meant that you couldn't see your grandchildren anymore. Some of you had a child all of a sudden decide that they're going to walk away from God and they're now living an alternative lifestyle. 
Or maybe your spouse gambled away your life savings or mismanaged the household finances and now you're left with nothing. Or how about this? Maybe a drunk driver was responsible for killing your child. Or someone violated you or they violated someone you loved physically or emotionally or mentally and the dream that you dreamed, the dream that they dreamed was shattered. So how did the people in Hebrews 11 respond to the injustice that they experienced? Well, I think they responded in the very same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Let me read it for you. It says there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And then listen to this line. But even if he does not, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve you. We will never serve your gods. We will never worship the gold statue that you have set up. That's resolve. Like David, like Shadrach, like Meshach, like Abednego, and like the martyrs, our response when our dream doesn't come true in life because of the actions of other people is to declare this, God, I'm still going to serve you even if my dream doesn't happen. Even if I've been robbed of my dream by other people, I'm still gonna serve you, God. I love what Job said in Job 13, 15. He said these words. He said, God may kill me. In another translation, it says, though he slay me. And then he goes on to say this. I will still serve him. I will still put my hope in him. Why? Because there's no other place to put your hope. Now, come on. That's not easy to do. When someone has killed our dream, that's not easy to say or do. We want to lash out at them. We want to lash out at God. We want to be angry. We want to be upset. But notice the resolve of all these people. No matter what's happened to them, they're going to keep worshiping God. So in Hebrews 11.40, we read these words. God had something better planned for these people, the martyrs. I don't know about you, but my mind can't comprehend that. How can you get something better? You just died. You were just killed. All of your dreams were just brought to a, an end. How does that work? Well, some dreams, maybe the one that you've lost, can't be replaced. But here's what God does. He often replaces our lost dream with another dream. Another dream that will give us a future and a hope. David and Bathsheba's first son died. But you know what? That wasn't the end of the story. God gives them another son. Do you know what his name was? Solomon. And he ruled Israel as the wisest man that ever lived. God gave them another dream. It wasn't the same dream but I want you to see how God restored what had been lost. I don't know what God gave those martyrs, 
But Hebrews tells us whatever they got, it was better. And because of those martyrs, I want you to know something. You and I are here today. Their sacrifice gave birth to a bigger dream. What was that dream? The spreading of the gospel message. All of these people, I want you to see, they had a faith that looked forward. A faith that chose to trust God despite the fact that their dream didn't come true because they had an eternal perspective rather than a temporal perspective. And so this is the kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews was trying to inspire in us who would read his letter many, many, many centuries later. And the third perspective that I want to talk about is how do you respond when circumstances, circumstances that you can't control, that you didn't ask for, are the cause of your lost dream? So I want to go to the book of Ruth now. So grab your Bible, turn to Ruth chapter 1. I want to read the first five verses that set the stage for this amazing story. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1 says this, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and he went to live in the country of Moab. Now, let me just stop there. Moab was the enemy of Israel. So this is really strange that a Jewish man is going to take his family to Moab. And it says that he took his wife and he took his two sons with him to Moab. Uh, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. Then when they got to Moab, verse 3, Elimelech died and Naomi is left with her two sons. Well, the two sons married Moabite women. So they marry foreigners, non-Jews. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, Malon and Kilian all of a sudden died. This left Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws all alone. They were without husbands. They were victims of circumstances that were beyond their control. Think about this. Here are these three women. They find themselves in the middle of a foreign land where they know no one. They're during a time of famine and now they're without husbands to care for them, which in that time period was a horrible thing. That meant you would probably end up selling yourself into slavery just to survive. Their dream of a happily ever after was shattered. But now watch this. In the midst of her broken dreams, Ruth, who is a Moabitess, okay, she's a foreigner, she doesn't know God, boldly declares these words to Naomi. I will not leave you, nor will I turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God and I will not allow anything to separate us. In other words, in that moment, Ruth resolved to trust in Naomi's God, a God that she didn't even know, despite the unfairness of what had happened to her and her mother-in-law. So what is the message of the book of Ruth? It's about how God is faithful to keep his promises, 
how God is faithful to provide for his people, those who remain faithful to him in the midst of, get this, unfair circumstances. Now fast forward to the end of the story. And here's what we learn. We find out that God ends up providing a kinsman redeemer to take care of both Ruth and Naomi. Now in Jewish tradition, a kinsman redeemer was a relative that was charged by law with restoring and redeeming the life and the fortunes of a relative that had suffered the loss of their livelihood. In other words, what Ruth and Naomi had lost in one dream, God restored with a new dream from their kinsman redeemer. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer? And he wants to restore and redeem the livelihood that you may have lost due to circumstances like we're in right now that have been out of your control. I realize that some dreams that are lost in life can never be replaced. They're gone for good. But I want you to know that Jesus can restore what we've lost with a new dream because he's the kinsman redeemer. I, I want you to notice that the response to the loss of a dream is the same whether we caused it, other people caused it, or circumstances caused it. Here's how we must respond. We have to continue to trust, to worship, to believe, and to move forward. That's what happened in the lives of the people in every story that I've shared with you today. So here's the takeaway from this message. If you haven't heard anything else, tune in now. The foundation of our faith is not N-O-T, not answered prayers or realized dreams. Because in each of these stories that I've shared with you today, there were unanswered prayers and there were dreams that didn't come to pass. So the foundation of our faith as Christians isn't happily ever after endings. That's not what our faith is based upon. And I'm going to just say it straight up. It is a mistake when we wrap our faith and confidence in God and who he is and tie it to the fulfillment of our dreams or answers to our prayers. Why? Because that's a very dangerous thing to do. Because a mindset like that says this, when my dreams come true and my prayers get answered, God is good and I can have confidence in him. So what that means is when my dream doesn't come true, and God doesn't answer my prayer, then God isn't good, and God doesn't even exist. Dreams that don't come true, prayers that don't get answered, tell us nothing about the faithfulness, presence, and goodness of God. I want you to think about that statement. I'm gonna say it again. Dreams that don't come true and prayers that don't get answered tell us nothing about the faithfulness, the presence, and the goodness of God. David, Ruth, Naomi, the martyrs would tell us today, when we feel forsaken, we are mistaken. When we feel forsaken by God, they would say, 
were mistaken. They would say that to assume that God is not real, not good, or not faithful, if your prayers are not answered or your dream doesn't happen, is a mistake. But that's where a lot of people's minds go. They would say to us today, don't make that mistake. Because through all of the highs and the lows of our lives, through all of our disappointments and failures, through all of the good times and the bad times, we want you to know something. God was always with us. He was always with us. I think that we would do well with our own disappointments, our own broken hearts and broken dreams to join David today in praying a prayer that he prayed later in his life on the day when his son Absalom rebelled against him to take over the kingdom. And so the setting is this. David has abdicated the throne to Absalom. He is getting out of Jerusalem. He is leaving. He is fleeing with a few people for his life. And as he looks back on Jerusalem, it appears that all hope is gone. And then in 2 Samuel... Chapter 15, verse 25 and 26. Listen to what David says. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, then he'll bring me back. So let him do whatever seems good to him. For it is not my will, but his that needs to be done in my life. Wow. What was David saying in that moment? I think he was saying this. I know how I want things to go in my life. I know how I've prayed for them to go. And to be honest, I was pretty sure they were going to go that way. I didn't see this coming. But I'm willing to trust that God will restore what I've lost if he wants to. And David was saying this. I may lose my dream but I will not lose my faith and confidence in God because he is still faithful no matter what has happened. Friends, that's how you respond when your dream doesn't happen. That's how you respond when what you've prayed for doesn't happen. Our response needs to be this. God I will not give up on you. God, I will not lose my faith. I will not lose my confidence in you. So here's my question for you. Can you say that today in the midst of your shattered dream? Can you say those words? God, I will not give up on you. God, I am not going to lose my faith. I am not going to lose my confidence in you. Because that's the secret to responding to dreams that don't happen. I want to encourage you as we close today. What broken dream have you experienced? Would you be willing today to take that broken dream that's so painful that you're not getting to do that thing or see that thing, whatever it is, and would you be willing to give it to Jesus? Would you be willing to declare in this moment that Jesus, I may have lost a dream, but I'm not going to let the enemy cause me to lose my faith and confidence in you.
Would you pray that right now? In fact, could I pray for you? Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are watching this message today. I know that there are a lot of broken dreams out there. I know that life rarely goes the way that we had planned it to. Sometimes our dreams get broken because of something that we did. Sometimes it's because of something someone else did. Sometimes it's because of circumstances that we can't control. But Lord, this is what I do know. That you promise to be with us in every situation, in every circumstances. You promised that you would never leave us, you would never forsake us. And so, Lord, I just pray for people today that are wrestling with broken dreams. I pray that you would help them to rise up in their spirit, to do what David did, to refresh themselves, to put on a new pair of clothes, to eat, to worship you, and then to be able to move forward. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to release those dreams and ask you to give us a new dream, a dream of your choosing. I ask, Lord, that you would not allow the enemy to cause people to lose their faith or their confidence in you because of what's happened. But there would be a resolve in them like there was in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we would have the kind of resolve that Ruth had, that the martyrs had, that David had, that says, God, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to allow this to cause me to lose my faith in you or my confidence in you because you have always been faithful because you love me, you promise to be with me, and you always will be faithful. So Lord, I just pray for strength and grace and resolve for each and every person today who has experienced and is experiencing the pain of a broken dream, a dream that won't come true. I ask that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And then I want to speak to those of you right now for a moment that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of you, the reason you don't have a relationship with Jesus is because at some point in your life, you prayed a prayer and God didn't answer it. And because that prayer didn't get answered, disappointment set in. Because your dream didn't come true or what you wanted to happen didn't happen you immediately made the assumption, God doesn't love me, God doesn't care about me, there is no God. You prayed and someone still died. You prayed and the divorce still happened. You prayed and you didn't get the promotion or you didn't get the job. And so you assume that God didn't care. Can I tell you today, God loves you deeply. Because a prayer wasn't answered in your life, because something happened in your life doesn't mean that God is asleep at the switch. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or care about you. Remember the martyrs. They died in faith believing God had something better for them. I don't know what that something better is. But I know this, that I serve a good God. And I've been through a lot of junk in my life. And I've had a lot of dreams not come true. And I've seen a lot of hardship. And I can tell you that God has been faithful to be with me through it all. And that when one door is closed, God has opened another. And when there's been pain in one area, God has brought great joy in another. 
And so I want to encourage you today. If you walked away from God, maybe you knew God at one point, or you've never served God because you just, he didn't answer my prayer. Give God a chance. Give him a chance. Don't miss out. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. He wants to tell you that God doesn't care, that God doesn't love you, that God has forsaken and forgotten you. It's not true. It's not true, I'm telling you. So wherever you are right now, I just encourage you to offer up a prayer and say, Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to challenge you this. Just even pray this prayer. Jesus, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to give myself to you for 90 days. You got 90 days to show me that you're real. And then be serious about it. Pray. Seek out good counsel. Give yourself to Jesus for 90 days. I guarantee you, he'll reveal himself to you. If you need more help in your relationship with Jesus, number is going up on the screen that you can text to right now. And we'll send you a book free of charge that'll help you to move forward with your relationship with Jesus. That'll tell you more about what Jesus died in your life, what Jesus has done for you, and what he wants to do in and through you. So just let us know. Just text that number and we'll make sure that you get that book. Well, thank you everybody for being with us today. Wonderful to have you here in our home with us. One last word, don't give up on Jesus because he hasn't given up on you. He cares about you. So give him a chance. God bless you.